Welcome to another exciting edition of Day 4. We got things figured out with the man Frank Scalish. Hey, we scheduled a, a, a program. We had a show. We even had a topic that we're going to talk about today. And then the wonders of technology. But hey, we are uh, live. We are good to go. Looking good, Frank. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. I'm fine, man. I'm just watching the snow come in. Um, you know, we're probably done in open water for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I'm calling you out right off the hopper. So right before we went live, uh, -oh. uh we were ranting uh, about fishing in close quarters. And I think your idea is brilliant. <laughs> would you care to, would you care to share with our uh, viewers and listeners what your idea for close quarter fishing is? Yeah. Um, I think that as a professional angler, you should have a paintball gun with you. Completely harmless. Uh, completely harmless. Don't um, aim for the head. Never. And um, if somebody encroaches on your water, you nail them with the paintball. And if they got paint on them, they're out of the, the tournament. Can't weigh in if they've got paint on the jersey. Can't weigh in if they got paint on the jersey. Because that means you got too close. That's right. I love it. I already, I even have a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I just got, you can't just wait. You can't ambush. Oh, all right. Well, then never mind. <laughs> never mind. Forget it. Oh, my gosh, Frank. Uh, I'm struggling this morning. I did a, I filmed a, uh, a guide day episode that's going to run tomorrow on BTL. And I picked up uh, JP, who was in town from New York, but he was up in Tulsa. Man, I didn't get back to like one in the morning. How far is Tulsa from you? Like an hour and a half. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little commute. Yeah, but uh, but I'm sure you know those mornings sometimes you just wake up and you're bright eyed and bushy tailed, and then other mornings you wake up and you're like, I would like I would pay a lot of money to stay in bed for an extra hour this morning. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I I understand that. Sometimes, dude, like sometimes I'm so motivated that I usually wake up before my alarm clock goes off. So, so like, do I. So like if I if I set the alarm clock for 530, mm -hmm. I'm usually up at 515. Regardless of whether you're fishing or whether it's a yeah. crappy day, like that's just what your body does. That's just what my body does. And lately I've been blowing through the alarm clock, dude. Like, I mean, like throwing it on the floor. I mean, just I don't even hateful at it. Oh, yeah. Just just it's this time of year for me. As soon as I have to put my fishing equipment up. I, I struggle really hard for the first few weeks. because. So how I, long are you out of commission for fishing wise then? So you got to fish kind of late this year, right? The last yeah, Well, years? every year it's about the same. It's the first week in January and then it starts to get dicey, but we're going to have like four days in single digits and teens. And that's just going to glaze everything over. And then, yeah. and, and that'll be the end of it. Um, until, unless we get a warm rain or something, and then we might open up, some of the lakes might open up, um, and we could sneak out if we can. Um, I hate this time of year. Um, now, will you get out on the ice? I do ice fish, but I don't go on Lake Erie. Um, I, I have a phobia about that lake and I won't go out on it. Cause that's where I think Red Lake up in Minnesota, it's big giant, but that's where giant chunks of fishable ice breaks away from yeah. the main body of ice. And now all of a sudden you're on a raft out in the middle of Lake Erie in January. Right. Well, and that happens. I had a, I had a guy I know, um, he got stuck out there overnight on a, on an ice chip floated away. It was about a mile long. You know, Good I mean, Lord. yeah, when you're, you know, you're vertical jigging down that ice hole and all of a sudden your line starts to go that way. <laughs> You know, there's an issue. <laughs> Troll, you're trolling uh, on the ice. <clears throat> All right. Uh, last week during the show, we uh, kind of pumped uh, lure nets, the graffiti cross series, and both the hard knockers and the one knockers. We had not actually gotten to lay eyes on that. Well, you had, but I had not gotten to lay eyes on them at that point. And I must say, Aren't they, they cool? are a they are a thing of beauty. They are very cool. So I ordered them after that show. Wait and, a second. You're, we go over this every time. Yeah. You're well, Frank Scalish. You should get 
two of everything and every size and color that they make. That's what you do. That's literally your job. Right. And um, and so I ordered a bunch of them because who do I need to talk to over there, Frank? Make sure <laughs> that when it comes to the new releases, that yeah. that Cleveland Heights gets an order. Yeah. Well, anyway, the long and short of it is for whatever the reason, I haven't gotten them yet. And usually okay. LureNet it usually if I order something off a of LureNet, I have it oh, yeah. in two to three days. Yep. Like regardless. Um, and I ordered them you know, after our show last week and I, and I don't have them yet. So they're probably held up at, you know, here. Um, they're probably, oh, yeah, held up cause you here. guys had that, that weather system come through. I, it's not like, to me, it's not terrible. The mm -hmm. weather's not terrible. I mean, it's, it's ugly, but it's, that's what terrible. they look like, by the oh, way. Oh, they're so good. They, they are, they are so good. How many, how many different colors do they actually do? Uh, five five different colors and i and um so okay so i i ordered six of everything six of every all of those colors that one to me has a lot of merit um yeah. I, I really chartreuse like, oh yeah dude i i like that color um and the and the robin egg blue belly is another one that up north dude forget it because we have crayfish that have that robin egg blue on them up here robin egg blue yeah for, i mean that's that to me that's dynamic now that now look at the bone belly i got the bone belly one because to me that's a bait fish imitator mm -hmm. and so i got that to imitate bait fish um obviously the all the other colors are more crawdaddy now that's an olive belly um olive eye sockets olive belly um that's really subdued that's really cool and then of course you got to have something with red in it for spray absolutely you know you have to <clears throat> so there you are 8.99 on uh well that was my email 8.99 <laughs> all the problems that we had this morning we'll just with, remove that yeah um, all the problems we had this morning with emails dude that is so funny that popped up there <laughs> hey you know what it is if someone was trying to get something out of it it is uh all you could see is one two three four five six seven eight nine uh undelivered or un undeliverable links to today's show i don't know what the hell was going on i don't know what's going on either i gotta i don't know if it's me coming from me or you but i got emails this morning already so who knows yeah uh good question so on that graffiti craw uh on those he's saying why those colors other than just looking cool like is there any is there any uh is there any merit to like kind of the finish or that g flash yeah i'm i'm i like that oil finish on them mm -hmm. um it reflects a lot of different colors in the water um so i'm really i really like that a lot um i know i know that and you know that crayfish um don't reflect light exactly like that but when you're throwing a rattle bait most of the time it's a reaction bite mm-hmm and so that really helps. It helps the fish see it better. It 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 has a different flash in the water to it. It's, it's different, but it also looks cool. Like you're going to catch cool. about it. But I mean, dude, it sometimes looks, you spend eight ninety nine yeah. to buy a bait that looks badass, and this is one of those baits. Hundred percent. Like you can't just say you can't say, oh, I'm going to catch ten more fish than I would have with a regular red craw but dude when you're throwing it you're probably going to be like that looks pretty badass yeah you're going to be like oh yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm catching one on it on this cast i mean that's like those are the colors where you tell your buddies hey look at this oh <laughs> look yeah at what i got yeah there's no question about it i mean it's it, it's real it's real i mean they're super cool and they look way better in person mm -hmm way better and then it also goes do these any colors get tested before release nowadays that's a hell yeah yeah oh yeah 100 percent um my fx colors were were tested prior to me even sending them to them um because the fx colors on the suspending rattling rogue the way that i multi-layered pearls the way i did that like if you're if you're gonna throw one color like let's say you're going to throw um violet cream for example that bait will look different in clean water 
than it does in off-colored water than it does in dirty water because of the overlay on the pearls of it. It refracts the light differently in those different conditions. It they're they're phenomenal. Those colors are they work. They're phenomenal. And um, so yeah. So the truth of the matter is, yeah, I fish them prior to because I paint them. So I always paint some for me to fish with before I send them Mm -hmm. in. Um, I've had paint jobs that I've done that I fished with and um, didn't like them and scrapped them. So, I mean, you know, it's not a guess. It's, it's not a, it's not a guess. Um, And then there's videos out. um, I think um, might be, might be, it might be Luke. Uh, Palmer might have a video out throwing that thing, and he and he's wrecking them on it, dude. <laughs> I mean, wrecking them on it. So, um, yeah, they work. I don't want to, uh, don't get offended by this terminology, Frank. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Not that I would ever put a cat in a bag, but <laughs> I know you're, I know you're a cat guy. At least, uh, no. go ahead. <laughs> but we may or may not get to look at some more colors next week correct oh we are we are looking at them okay we'll leave it at that uh oh dude i also just recently i thought of you last week as i was fishing with a buddy and he was telling me what his uh wife does for a living yeah she runs a cat cafe i'm i'm not kidding (laughs) so it's like you make a reservation and it's like a uh a cafe on one side and then you have a reservation for the cat room so they have they they work with the uh like animal shelters and adoption agencies so they have 20 to 30 cats in a cat friendly room with all sorts of toys so you eat lunch and then the other half has plate glass windows and then you walk through and you play with 20 to 30 cats for however long you 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 have bought to play in the cat room and then should you become bonded with one you have the option to adopt it and take it home how neat called it called it it's called a cat cafe all right that's good you'd be all you'd be all in on that wouldn't you um i i I would if i didn't have a cat but i have two you have two yeah and jeffrey's too so whenever you guys it's in uh the sunshine state so the next time you guys are in florida the cat cafe is on me Perfect. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you. You're welcome. All right. What are we talking about today, Frank? (laughs) Well, you know, I got some DMs the other day. Um, We never talk about Texas rigging, slip sinkers, the easy stuff, the quote unquote easy stuff. We never, we never get into it. Um, And I thought, you know what? That'll be a good subject matter. So I sat down the other day and I started just jotting down some ideas and then i started to realize that this is way more in depth than you just you know rig something up on a slip sinker and chuck it out there um Mm -hmm. you know flipping or pitching so um i thought i would dive into it we're gonna get pretty deep in it um but not it's not going to be ter- it's not going to be terrible because there's a method and a reason for everything, so it'll follow a good chronological order. And so I'd like to get into that because when guys DM me about a subject matter, if I get two or three of the same, we're doing a show on it. Um, because if because law of averages are if you know I have if there's so many people that are following mm-hmm. Instagram and then I get two or three, I guarantee you there's a lot more that want to hear the same thing. And so I've been doing that throughout day four and it's been very successful. So I said, this is good because we've never really dove in on it. We've touched on it a few times in some of the uh, weed episodes, shallow flipping grass and stuff. Mm-hmm. We've touched on it. But um, I think we're going to go, we'll get in it. Let's ju- you want to just get in it? Yeah. Okay. So I have, a, I have a number one, my number one rule whenever I'm Texas rigging anything is I use the absolute lightest weight that I can get away with. Um, that's based on your conditions. So, so that being said, 
what's going to affect my weight size really is what it was what you're thinking about so the first thing i think of is how heavy is the cover obviously is it wood is it grass is it rock um those are that's obviously very important another important thing is how deep am i fishing um I could be fishing deep brush piles. I could be fishing shallow blowdowns. I could be fishing shallow bushes, um, docks. So how deep am I fishing? And then another thing you have to take into consideration is how much wind do you have? Because wind is going to affect the drop rate on that bait or your ability to put it where it has to go because you're going to have wind drag on your line. And so if you have a bow in your line when you're doing this, it could be moving the bait away from your target and not letting it get down on the target. Um, another thing to think about that I think is probably almost the most overlooked is my line size. Um, what kind of line am I throwing? Uh, obviously, if you're punching, you're throwing 50-pound braid or 60-pound mm -hmm. braid. And, of course, you're using a weight to match your terrain that you're fishing and everything else. Um, so the line size is important because that controls your fall rate. <laughs> Late night Taco Bell. <laughs> Anthony, you're talking about what affects your weight size. Anthony, oh my gosh. Late night Taco Bell affects his weight that size. That is priceless to All right, back on track. Sorry. Yeah, you and it, quit. And you have to get it, better at reading the comments without completely disengaging right without disengaging that's why i shut the comments off on my computer because okay. i can't i can't focus on yeah, both so, i i do that's kind of that's i have to so yeah but you're good at it i'm not right, good at continue that. okay that was so, a good one though that one i couldn't let that one slide no you had to put that up there okay so so my the line size is going to control your fall rate um based on your slip sinker size and then another thing to take into account which i think um people don't always do is how how aggressive are the bass um because that that'll determine a lot if they're very mm -hmm. aggressive that'll determine a lot um so uh another critical thing and this is probably the most critical thing when you're pitching and flipping um when does that bite come when do you get that bite is it when the bait's on the bottom when it's on the fall or just about when it hits the water. So the reason that you, you look at these things is because if the bait gets bit on the bottom, then you can use a heavier weight because you want to get it to the bottom then because the bass, that's where the bass are relating. If, if, it, if a bass hits it on the fall, that means they're suspending within that cover. And they hit it on the way down. So this is when I'll start to lighten up the weight a little bit. Because maybe now I'm going to get more bites as it falls slower through there. Now, if the bass are real aggressive, maybe when it shoots by them, they react on it and get it. But for the most part, if they're suspended in the cover, I'm using a lighter weight. Okay. If I pitch out there and the bait hits the water and my line goes, then I'm going to use the lightest weight of all because those fish are right up right up against the top layer of the water or they're just underneath feeding up so then i'm going to use the lightest weight of all now when this happens okay when you pitch out there and your line just goes and you immediately you may have to start thinking of a different technique you may be spinnerbait go top water right. spinnerbait wake bait 100%. This when that happens you might have to analyze because you might be missing fish because those fish are so close to the surface and reacting. Mm -hmm. So so when when that occurs then I'm going to start thinking about what I'm doing. Um hooks is another thing. Hooks This is where this is where I'm going to get a lot of this is where I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. Um <laughs> I don't, I don't flip with a straight shank hook. I actually can't stand them. Um, here, I'll just show you real quick. 
there's a couple of reasons. Now, I know there's guys that proved otherwise a million times over. They proved otherwise that the straight shanked hook is the best flipping hook. And You have one. That's a straight shank. Yeah, that's a straight shank. Yeah. So they prove that it's the best thing in the world and blah, blah, blah. But here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to just rig it on a Ned rig. Only because this will just illustrate my point. Okay. So when you rig it, you rig it the typical way, Texas rig. And then I'm going to see where that hook goes into the bait. And then I'm going to put the hook in the bait. All right. So now this is why I don't like them. Okay. Now remember, this is this is just a little Ned rig, but who cares? Um, you have to, when you set the hook on this, you have to push the hook all the way through this plastic. Now I'm going to hold the back of this bait and just pick up on the hook. And you see how it's barely coming through. And mm -hmm. I'm actually doing this with a lot of force. So you have to get this part of the hook through the plastic, get the plastic out of the way, and then get that hook, that hook into the fish. Okay. All right. It seems like you, you know, you're like, oh, I'm using a flipping rod and blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a piece of cake. But that's, that's tough. Okay. This is, this is tough right mm -hmm. here. So the, the, I'll, I use the Mustad Ultra Point, which you guys hate, but I don't really care. <laughs> I I know I don't I, like I don't, the last time you went through that hook shape. How many DMs did you actually get? Like that uh, that was salty about that hook. A lot, a lot. But <laughs> I don't care because here I'll be honest with you. I don't lose fish. Yep. I I don't lose fish, so I'm not changing a thing. So so what I do with this and the reason I like it so much. Okay, th this hook, it's not like an EWG hook, mm -hmm. where this part of the hook is straight it angles down a smidge okay and the reason i like that so much is because now i can text pose this thing so let me let me do this so what if for those watching i'm just i'm doing a text pose hook there's right so there. many good screenshots of uncle frank with the three inch ned on a flipping hook People are going to click on that to probably like flipping Ned or punching Neds. Right. Okay. So, so you see the hooks text posed. You see it on the top. Yep. You can okay. see the hook point. So you're through the, for those I'm listening the on plastic. iTunes. Right. I'm through the plastic and then I just you're take, text posing it. I'm text posing it. Now, what happens there is the minute this thing crunches down, that hook pops right out. And mm. now I don't have to go through all that plastic to get the, to get the fish hooked up. Because it's it's immediately out of the way. The minute the fish presses down on the soft plastic, the hook's immediately going into the fish. Mm -hmm. That's why I use it. Um, I have, I punch with this hook. I Carolina rig with it. I flip and pitch with it. And I never have a problem. Okay. So the only thing you got to remember when you're choosing a hook, because everybody's going to have their own personal preference. So when you're choosing a hook, you look at the thickness of the soft plastic and you make sure the gap is two times that, two times the thickness. So, so if you're talking about the hooks I use, there's a one-aught, a two-aught, a three-aught, and a four-aught. Okay, so this is the gap in here from the, from the hook point to the shank is your gap. Okay, so that's what I was always wondering when they were talking about how big the gap is in the hook. It is the hook point, and you make a direct line to the shank. Right in and here. And that is the gap. Okay. That's the gap. So because there's this, a bunch of different ways you could measure that. Correct. So so this is the shank length. This is the gap. Yep. Okay, so that's the hook thing. I, in 2X. I, no, I just throw the regular ultra point. No, no, no. You want two times the yes, two times distance. two times the distance. So for that those, just allows the plastic to get out of the way and clear clear. Right. So for those that like the straight shank hook, 
this is the gap this is the gap right in here okay all right and so as long as it's two times the thickness of the soft plastic the soft plastic can get out of the way and that's that's my rule of thumb um the other thing i do when especially with soft plastics is i always use glass rattles in all my soft plastics i don't throw a lizard a worm a, a woolly bug, a beaver, a spine craw, speed craw, Christy critter, brush hog. I don't put none of that on without a rattle in it. So now I, what I want to do is I want to show you where the rattle position goes. And I'll show you why. So here I have two, I have two rattles. This is going to be, if I drop one of these, it's going to be bad. Yeah, We'll come back after Frank is done and talk about it. Exactly. Oh. I oh, did drop it, bad. but I caught it. Did you catch it? I, I saw caught that. it. I Look, caught speaking it. of cat-like reflexes. Yeah, dude, I, I listen. We'll I'm, go back through and try to locate where you guys can, can purchase these glass rattles. Okay, so I have a, a small and a medium. Yep. Let me see. If, there, I'll put it on the blue. Small and a medium. The small's thinner, medium, medium's fatter, small's thinner. Yep. Great catch. We're going to do that in slow motion later. Um, and so anyway, I so could here, actually do that. You could. So here's what I want to, here's what I want to show you. I want to show you the positioning of this and I'll show you why. So I'm going to take, this is a yum lizard and, and you can do this with any lizard, but I, I'm going to show you where I put it in this and then I'm going to rig it on the hook and show you why. Um, okay, so the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to look at the lizard, and I'm going to insert the rattle by the throat of the lizard, and I'm going to put it in, so it's I'm putting it in towards the head, pushing the rattle in towards the tail. So I'm going to have to do this because my lighting in here is in my face, and I can't see. So So what I do is... And I'll stop it right there. So I'm going to start right there. Yep. And then I'm going to run it right in the lizard, pushing it down towards the tail. You don't have much room for error there. No, there's not room for error. But that's where it is. It's right in the neck of the bait right there. Okay. okay. So now when I rig it on the hook that everybody hates, except for me, when I rig it on the hook... It's going to be perfect because I push the hook, the lizard into the hook, right to the right to where it's starting to bend. You see where it's starting to bend? I pull it through so it's straight in the middle of the lizard. And then I'm going to run it around. And I, I tie my own keeper systems on these things. Mm -hmm. So it lays like that. And then I'm going to, pick my spot and i'm going to text pose this thing this is so money so it's text posed yep you see it right yep okay now look where the rattle is the rattle's right here in the it's so it is in the on, basically on the shank of the hook. right it's on the shank of in the hook. between the hook point and the eye of the hook correct so when the bass bites it, the rattle's never in the way. Now, why don't you just put it below in the okay. butt of the lizard? Okay, so this is this is what I'm going to, the reason why, is because you see how flexible this thing is? Yep. I don't want to lose that. Oh, that's yeah, brilliant. Because when I'm flipping over brush and that lizard's walking around the brush, I don't want to impede any of this action on the bait when it when it's fluttering down that makes sense i don't want to i don't want that getting in the way of it i want that thing as natural as possible falling over so mm -hmm. that's why i do that now i i do i have i have a list of soft plastics and the hooks i use in them but i do use this two odd in the lizard um i found it to be the best for hooking up percentages i don't want the hook all the way back here in the meat of the lizard i want everything close to the head here's why if you've ever seen underwater footage of a bass taking a bait a bottom bouncing bait they always pick it up from the head first they grab it from the head first they don't they very rarely grab a bait from the tail as it falls 
they pick it up head first because that's how they have to swallow it. Mm -hmm. Um, They can't eat a bait fish by the tail. They have to swallow it head first. And so, and a crayfish, if you, if a crayfish is slithering along, you know, bouncing along on the bottom, they're running tail first because crayfish go backwards. And so they pick them up that way. Their pinchers are forward and the bass can swallow them easier. If you, if you're using a jig and you get that double bump where it goes, and then all of a sudden you got them, it's because they pick it up backwards, spit it out and swallow it in head first. Mm -hmm. And that's why you get that. So, so that's the lizard. Now I'm, I'm going to show you, um, on beaver style baits where I put these rattles, because this is another, well, this, I just trashed the lizard, so we're not using it anymore. (laughs) Um, so on a beaver style bait, this is actually, this is a woolly, uh, woolly bug. But you any beaver style bait, this is what I do. Now I'm gonna take the bigger glass rattle on it. And what I'm gonna do with this, and this is important, I always put the rattle in starting in towards the head and pushing it in towards the tail. I don't ever do it the other way because the rattle has a tendency to pop out the other way. Because it because it goes against the way the bait's moving and stuff. So what I'll do here is I'll I I pick a side, and then I'll take the rattle in on the side, in the same place, and I'll push it in on the side. You see where I started it? Yep. And then I shove it in parallel to the center of the beaver. So you, you can't, can't even, even tell there's you, one in there. You can't even tell there's one in there. Holy but it's, cow. But it's right there. It's right there. And you just hear a little click. Yeah. And it's. I don't know if you can hear. Oh, it. yeah. Yep. Okay. So in my aquarium, when I had, I had bass and, and stuff in my aquarium and crayfish and everything else. You could actually hear crayfish making these little ticks and clicks if you put your ear up to the glass on the tank. They actually, and they're very tiny, little, subtle. They just make these little noises. And that's why I never, ever throw a soft plastic without a rattle in it. Regardless of water clarity. Regardless, I don't care. Table rock to the Sabine River. It doesn't matter because what happens with these little glass rattles, it's a subtle, tiny little click and a subtle, a tiny little, you know, ticks and clicks. The bigger rattles, the brass rattles and the plastic rattles that you put on the back of your jig, they're way louder than this, way louder. That's when I'll choose rattle or no rattle. But for the most part, when I'm using soft plastics, I'm always using the glass rattle. Now, here's another thing. If you need more noise, you can put another one in on the other side. Okay. These are bass rattles, right? Not crappie rattles? They're bass rattles, just smalls and mediums. Um, They make a giant one, but I don't like the giant one because I don't want to, I don't want to push my yeah. plastic apart yeah, so yeah, far yeah. that it starts to change the color of the bait. You, you know, know the, when... the brand or anything of that, like if people wanted to see because so like, look, I'm looking at this. Bobby Garland has the premium glass rattles, but those, right. those are too small. Those I've, I've used those. And for a bass lure, it, the plastic, uh, muffles the sound of the crappie rattle in a bass bait. Is that a fair assessment? It's it's fair. It's very fair. But those little rattles are nice if you're throwing like a finesse real, worm or yeah, something. real skinny worms. It's they're yeah. real nice. And then the other one that they have obviously is the Larue glass rattle, but it's doesn't even have a sharp point on it. It's meant to be stuffed up into a into a uh, hollow body. bug. Yeah, it's a hollow <laughs> body. So and so anyway, so I'm trying to get the rattle out, and you can you can see. Yep. So. This is why I put it in this way, because if I put it in backwards, if the bass jumps, yeah, it's, gone. it's forcing the rattle out. And so that's why I put them in backwards. Um, 
but I do that with all my soft plastics. Always. Do you just keep 50 rattles in a little pack? Yeah. I have a little tiny, those pill bags that we saw last time. I just keep those. uh, I keep about 50 rattles of each, you know, two pill bags, big ones, or, Mm -hmm. you know, the bigger rattle, skinny rattle. Um, And that's what I do. And I have, I have so much confidence in that glass rattle that I absolutely will never throw a bait without it. Even when I'm shaky heading, I put a rattle in the same place when I'm shaky heading because I want that little clicking and ticking stuff because I, I shaky head a lot of um, cross style baits like the, like the yum spine craw. It's one of my favorites. Um, And this bait I do the speed craw too, the, the zoom speed craw as well, but you got to realize something. This bait here, the body segment on the spine craw is about an eighth of an inch longer than on a zoom speed craw. So on a shaky head, this thing is absolute money because of the hook's not coming out to the back of the bait. The hook is right where it's supposed to be, and then my rattle will be right in the middle of it. Okay. That makes sense. And so it's just, it's perfect. Now, the only time I don't put a rattle in a soft plastic is if I'm Carolina rigging. Um, because the, the weight and your bead are making the racket, and I want the soft plastic to be floating free. I don't want to add any extra weight to the plastic. So that's the only time that I don't do that. Now, I mean, I have, I have... I have a list of, of weights and sizes and stuff that I throw on, on each thing for the most part. Um, the easiest one probably is punching. Um, punching is by far almost a no-brainer with a Texas rig and a weight. But I still go to the lightest punch weight I can. So 95% of the time I'm using a three quarter ounce weight. There are those times when the mats are thick and I got to go to an ounce, ounce and a quarter. But I found that those mats there, I'm not as frequently encountering Right. where I can get the three quarter through it because I can, I can shake it up on top of the mat or give it an up, you know, pitch it up and let it go. Don't down there um the weight size only matters to get through the vegetation to get through what you're punching because then i do a controlled fall with my bait and I'll, and and one tr- one tip on punching i'll punch it through and i let it go down it hits the bottom i pick it back up to the underneath the canopy so my bait, my bait's underneath the canopy like this, and mm-hmm. I'll and I'll hit it up against the top of the canopy. You've mentioned that a couple times over the past couple years. Yeah, I have. I have absolutely. the The canopy will just go. That's a bluegill. That's what they think it is. They think it's a bluegill eating something off of the underneath of the mat, it, right? Right. It could be, but if you've if you've if you've gone under craw, if craw you, underneath too, right. The crayfish, they eat the snails and the, and the small um, zooplankton off of the grass. So th- some of this grass, they'll, they'll have crayfish all over them. Um, and so that's why it's important because sometimes those bass are keying in on that. Yep. Sometimes they're keying in on when it busts through. And sometimes they want it on the bottom where I slam it on the bottom a couple of times. <laughs> Little, little and, poof, poof. Yeah, just make it make that debris cloud as it hits the bottom a couple of times. But but that's pretty much it with punching. I don't make it complicated. And even when I'm punching, I'm not using the straight shanked hook. Because here's another thing that happens with the straight shanked hook. And this this is what annoyed me the most about it. More so than anything else. So we're going to put it in here poke it out there we're gonna rig this thing up like you do and this is a good punching hook i mean this is a good straight shank hook. but so when it's rigged up nice and straight looks good to me right 
the first couple times you throw it, you're in business. But after after you're dropping it in through the cover, through the grass or whatever, after a little while, you'll get grass and 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 uh, slime on your hook shank. And then all of a sudden, this thing won't stay on it anymore. It keeps coming out. And the last thing, that, and I've had this happen a million times, the last thing I want to do is make a perfect pitch. And right when that bait hits the water, this thing is free, and I got an open hook going down into the cover. Yeah, you're screwed. That's a wasted cast. That's the other reason I don't use the straight shank. And I know I'm going to get flack from it because I got a lot of pro buddies of mine that swear on this. And they're not wrong for them. But for me, I don't lose fish doing what I'm doing. So I am not changing it at all. Um, so if we go, if we go craw baits, like the yum spine craw, a zoom speed craw, Christie craw, any craw bait, um, for the most part, I'm using my two odd hook because the baits aren't very thick. They're not thick bodied. Um, I'm using my two odd um, megabyte ultra point, uh, Texas rig weight size. I always use the lightest I can get by with, but 90% of the time I'm probably on a quarter ounce. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I f- go up or down from there, depending um, if I'm, if I, my three favorite sizes is a three sixteenth quarter, five sixteenths. Uh, very rarely am I on a three eighths or a half, but I do use them on certain conditions. You need them. Um, the one thing I forgot to mention, the other thing that can dictate your weight size is current. If there's a lot of current in the place. So what you like, like on the Mississippi river, perfect example. Um, if you're, if you're flipping outside edges of eelgrass and stuff on the main river, there's a current flow. So rather than have that bait go right down into the bottom of the eelgrass, because bass are ambush predators, I use a lighter weight. I pitch it upstream and I let, and I work the bait down with the current. So I'm drifting it down. So if the grass edge is all erratic, I cast out there and I'm bouncing it around that erratic edge of the grass. The bass will sit in that grass and ambush whatever is coming by. I get more bites that way. Now, there are times when they might be buried up under, you know, cold front conditions or neutral feeding zone where they're buried up. Then you got to get something through it and get it in there and get it through it, get it to the bottom. That's when you go to the heavier weight. Um, you know about the lizards cause I already talked about it. I just used the two odd hook in it. Um, for the most part, I'm three sixteenths quarter, 90% of the time. Um, Christy critter brush hog style baits. Um, depending on if you're going to use like, a, a, a the big Christy critter or the full size brush hog, then I'm going to have to go to the three odd cause, because here, look, this is a fat, this is a fat ombre. So I'm going to have to go to the three odd in that. But if I'm using a baby brush hog or a small uh, Christie critter, the two odd is more than enough hook. Okay, let me ask you this: when just a general rule of thumb, when it comes to hooks, would you? I mean, because you got guys who are bank fishing, you got guys you might run out of different sizes. Would you rather, if you had to, have a hook that was a little bit too small for the plastic, or a hook? that was too big for the plastic. I, I, I would always go a little bit too small for the plastic. Now really? I'll, I'll tell you why in Florida, we were fishing that one year that Bassmasters said we had to go to this. I don't know what they called it. Some, not a championship, but a angler fish, of the year fish off on. Okay. Oh, the, the, uh, was it the last chance qualifier? Yeah, it was the last chance qualifier. Did Ben Matsubu win that? I think he might have. So I got on these fish on these shell beds offshore. And I was, um, God, am I pissed? I was Carolina rigging 10 inch worms. And You're I still was, pissed. Yeah, I'm still pissed. Um, and shaky heading. Um, 10 inch worms and i 
the first cast out with the rig, I get one on about eight pounds and it, and it rolls in front of me and comes right off. Mm. And I was like, holy crap, maybe just things went wrong. So I re-rig, I fire back out there. I get one about six pounds. I jack them, I get them. I'm fighting them to the boat. I get them to the side of the boat. He gives me a quick head shake. You know how they're big and fat, so their whole bodies don't come out. They're just a wiggle. Yeah, and he comes off. So I lose my mind. I go, I go to a bigger hook. I get the bigger hook out there, and I'm like, now I got them. Bam. And I lose another one. Bam. And I lose another one. And I'm like, oh my God. So I went to a bigger hook yet. So, so through the process, I went three out, four out, five out. You should have gone two and one. I should have went two out. So then I switched to the two out because the ribbon tail, the 10 inch ribbon tail I was using, it wasn't a giant fat bodied ribbon tail. Mm -hmm. It was more slender. I put the two odd in. I never lost another fish in the whole tournament. I think for a lot, me included, when you see a 10, 11, 12 inch bait, even a six or seven inch bait, and you've only, you've got this little bitty hook that's Texas rigged up there in the head of it. Now I I understand how, uh, I understand how the fish eat it. Like you said, head first with the small, but it just looks like you're asking to not hook them. So the right. best the best way I've gotten confidence is when I'm fun fishing, I've gone out and undersized my hook intentionally. Yeah. And you would be absolutely shocked at your landing percentage. At your landing percentage where you're like, how is the fish getting that freaking hook? But they well, get it. They get it. So here, so here's what here's here's when my philosophy on the hooks changed. And we're going decades back. We're we're, we're going, you know, 15 years. 20 years back. Um, I did do a lot of fly fishing for saltwater species, and I do a lot of steelhead fly fishing where you're catching, you know, eight to 15 pound trout. And the hooks that I'm using are so small, I can hardly see to get the line through the line tie. And they, you don't lose them. You do not lose them. And so I was like, if I can, if I can go and, and steelhead fish and, and, you know, catch them on a little tiny size eight and they're jumping, cartwheeling, running, you're running them down the river, you're chasing after them, they're going under snags. I mean, I mean, I, one day I, I got a good one. It was about a 14 pounder and it ran me down the river and I couldn't put the brakes on it with my fly rod. I couldn't put the brakes on it because it was going. So I went after it. And he went underneath, there was a, a, a tree that fell over the river and he went mm-hmm. underneath the tree. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't advance farther than the tree because it was underneath. I literally shoved my fly rod under the tree, hopped over the tree, grabbed my fly rod on the other side of the tree and landed the fish. He never came off. And I caught him on a little streamer with, a, with a uh, size six streamer hook on it so it's itty bitty yeah and that fish was jumping a hundred times i mean and it wasn't stopping and it never came off so i started applying that to to bass fishing Mm -hmm. okay Uh, another perfect example is drop shotting i mean look at the hooks you're using drop shotting and you're catching these gigantic smallmouths they ain't jumping off you pin them they're pinned that hook is forcing itself into the roof of that fish's mouth where you got a giant gap on a hook and now you got all this play going in mm-hmm. where the hook's not just crammed up there and just pressing against the fish's mouth, which is another reason why I like these because the style of this hook keeps that fish pinned right in here. Yeah. So when do you use a straight shank when Texas rigging? Is there a time or do you just have that hook there for demonstration purposes? Demonstration. Don't even carry them. Nope. They're not in my boat. All right. There you go. That answers that question. They they were in my boat. Until you started farming them. And once I started flipping them things and then they start snagging on everything, I'm like, nope, I'm out because I don't, I'm not losing fish. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I just 
don't lose fish. You know, and, Hallman flips with a EWG. I flip yeah. with a straight shank. He's he'll flip with a two, three, four aught EWG. Yeah, see uh, now super super line hook. Okay, now see now this is not exactly an EWG. Yeah. An, an EWG would come straight here. An EW, but EWG would be in line with the it would come the hook. Right. Yeah. Come straight out and the the belly of the beast would be bigger. So the yeah. so the hook point would be in line with here and then the belly would be deeper to compensate. Would you say that the most okay, obviously than other other than okay, the most common Texas rig mistakes based on what we've talked about over the first what you've talked about over the first 50 minutes, one would be fishing with the wrong size bullet weight. 100%. Where you're either fishing past the fish or you're spending too much time getting it down to the fish. Correct. And then number two for me, based on what you said, would be is that they, they're mismatching their hook to their bait. So their bait isn't isn't behaving properly. Correct. They're basically taking all the action out by putting this giant hunk of metal through it and right. losing how it was intended to behave. That's exactly right. Because in every bait, whether it's a worm, a lizard, craw, yeah. they move behind the hook. They're always moving, especially... So pay attention to what the bait is designed, where the the ridges, the, the pinch points, whatever you want to call, where the action is on that bait, and Correct. then choose your hook accordingly. I do want to show you this. It is from Z-Man. It might be, it just came out this year. Uh, Lure Lab pointed it out and I found it. Have you seen this thing? I don't think you've, I bet you probably haven't seen this. This just came no. out last year. So it's called the Rattlesnaker and it's a way that you can use like a syringe basically. Watch oh, this. Oh yeah, I see that. I get it. Isn't that cool? It is cool as long as it doesn't take the plastic out of the bait. No. So you put it in and then you have that. And then you put your rattle in the little chamber and then you just stuff it into the plastic. And then you pull it out and boom, there you go. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, a little slick trick there. It's pretty sweet, except I don't see a problem with. No, what you're doing is fantastic. But if you've got like if you're trying to put put it in something like really skinny or something like that. Oh yeah. For for a Ned rig in the tail section, be perfect. It'd be ideal. But you know and then it recommends a the next video it recommends man man chooses to interact with rattlesnake and learns a costly lesson. Well, that would be a costly lesson. Yeah, I have no desire to watch that. Yeah. So, so that's my, that's my take on it. Um, you guys can use any hook, any brand hooks you mm -hmm. like, but if you follow that rule of thumb, uh, gap two times the thickness of the soft plastic, um, you know, follow the rule of thumb where you don't want a hook shank that is so long that it's stopping the action of the bait, uh, rattle placement, um, you know, your success rate will go up, um, pay attention to your, slip sinker weights because that's probably the most misunderstood i i have a buddy of mine if it's not a three eighth ounce weight he doesn't throw it lincoln says i just watched a lure net video of frank punching and he is not wailing on the hook sets did i miss how i'm assuming that's uncle frank sets the hook <laughs> punching and flipping on a texas rig or can we cover yeah. that um i don't crack them you're using 50 pound braid when you're punching and I'm using a Powell 806, which is an eight foot heavy action rod. So you don't have to crack them. All I do is they take it and I just lift up on them. Don't forget you're using a seven and a half to eight foot rod for punching. If you, and when you're using braid, so if you move your rod tip three feet, you're moving the bait three feet. So there's no need to drop to your knees and crush them. Um, when I took, when I was teaching Josh how to punch, that's the first thing he did, man. He got a bite and he dropped down and he wailed on it. And he broke, that's the most fun, Frank. Right, but he broke the braid. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh wow. And so he's like, "It was a monster! It was a monster!" And I said, "Well, 
no you you can't move a four pound fish six feet underwater on a hook set and not expect damage mm. um and so he broke the braid and so i i got him so when he sets the hook i finally got him so he just moves that rod a little bit and gets him instead of dropping down and whack you know it's not like you're using monofilament. Teaching him a lesson right it's not monofilament where you got you know a half an inch of stretch per foot yeah. of line you know you got to remember back in the old days that line stretched mm-hmm. and so if you if you make a long cast you're stretching a half an inch of foot pain. it's like whoa when you got to pick up all that slack that, hey, you know. listen this is an interesting thing on stretch and i've done this before go next time you're somewhere tie it to the boat cleat tie to a tree whatever and just walk 50 60 feet away and take the line and do it with if this is because everyone talks about stretch this is where i was like holy cow do it with mono fluoro and braid and the oh, braid yeah. i mean you're stuck i mean you're yeah. stopping yeah. on the tree yeah, but even fluid. even with the with the with the fluoro it's amazing how much stretch you can get the further you get away even though it's reduced stretch and then mono is like a rubber band i mean you can literally stretch oh, yeah. it for feet feet of i mean you can go like this and the stretch of it but that is when they talk about stretch i mean it's one thing to go like this but get out 30 and i understand it's different properties underwater but it gives you in your head an idea of what your line is doing when you're setting the hook when you're fighting that fish to do that out in your yard with 350 feet to 100 feet sections of braid fluoro and mono and then you kind of understand before carbon stretches it a lot too it's the braid that doesn't right so mono stretches the most then fluoro then braid yeah so you've got braid has no stretch fluoro has a little stretch mono has a ton of stretch yeah you have to remember too uh, the the thinner lines you use the more stretch they have yep because there's a give and take in in breaking strength mm-hmm. there um and the stretch compensates for that so uh, can we do some rapid, some rapid fire yeah, Texas big questions? Yeah. Uh, I saw a couple questions earlier uh, when we were going over rattles of, do you ever substitute a bead for the rattle? That old school bead Texas, you know, bait hook, bait, bead, Texas rig. Wait. Yeah. My buddy, my buddy Troy does that a lot. He loves you guys the, swear by that. I mean, swear yeah. by it. He loves the bead. Um, I, I'll beat it if I'm structure fishing with it um because then i'm not so i'm not so opposed to not pegging my sinker okay but if i'm pitching and flipping and cover i want the sinker pegged because i don't want the sinker getting ahead of the bait going through the branches and then my bait's getting all goofy and not going through yep so i always peg um but structure fishing i won't peg um and so that's i've done that structure fishing um actually that that technique this is crazy you guys are gonna i'm gonna give you my age um that technique came out in in fisherman as a wintertime technique decades and decades ago on suspending bass on long points in the winter time and they were using straight tail worms aka the finesse worm or the trick worm mm-hmm rigging them texas style with a slip sinker and the bead and they were drifting over these points keeping the bait in the where the fish were suspending and just shaking the rod tip as they were drifting over this stuff um way before sonars even got good um they were doing this technique so there's merit to that 100 okay uh weight color uh there's natural there's really shiny tungstens then there's ones that are coated in different colors green pumpkins blacks does that matter to you i used to paint all my slip sinkers to match each color of soft plastic i had and that got to be absolutely ludicrous and stupid um so i just went to a a dark green pumpkin slip sinker Mm -hmm. for everything um I don't care if it's dark green pumpkin matted or dark green pumpkin with clear coat on it. I just throw a dark green pumpkin slip sinker. 
Um, I have another buddy of mine that polishes all his slip sinkers so they look like chrome. And he <laughs> swears by it. And I can't even stomach that. When I see that thing flipping through the air, I'm like, oh, God, I, I hope you don't catch one because I'm not doing that. Uh, lead versus tungsten on the slip sinker. Tungsten, 1,000% all the way. It's 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 smaller, it's less obtrusive, and you feel a little bit more with the tungsten. The cover. I'm in the wood. I'm in the rocks. I'm coming through the grass. There are several different shapes of Texas rigs out now. There's the punching uh, or flipping weight, and then there's the one that's like kind of the true bullet shape, and then there's some experimental shapes. Do you? Does it matter to you? Uh, whether you use so that's like a true bullet right that's what i use okay so you don't use the punching so there's some guys that use a punching and it actually has a taper on the back side of it no i'll that, use i'll use the punching weights for punching or flipping weights but they swear that it that the cone blows the fish's mouth open where the taper on more of a flipping weight okay so that weight right there is yep. not even it's less, it's about a quarter of an inch or a little less. Okay. So when I rig it up here and I'm not going to rig it fully, I'm just going to do this to illustrate a point. Yeah. Punching versus flipping. Going to illustrate a point here. If I don't put the point through my finger, you see how nice that sits on that bait. Oh yeah. That does sit on that bait. Incredibly nice. And that's why I use these because it it takes the taper of the bait I'm using. I like it, and that's that's the reason I use them. Um, you can use a little skinnier one. You know how some of them are a little thinner yep. and longer. Yep. Finesse worms and trick worms, little thinner, little longer. The lizard head. It's a nice fat head on the lizard that the. That's the sinker I just showed you fits right over the top of it. And yep. it's right at the shape of the head. Is there but, an insert in that or not? And it's, yeah. Yeah. There's an insert in this one. See, it's really weird. There are some companies that advertise, hey, we have an insert in our Texas rig weights. And then there are other companies that advertise insert free. So I have no idea what, you know. What well, I mean. in the in the old days when they first started pouring tungsten, it they didn't have it smooth on the inside of that the hole where the line goes through. They didn't have it smooth. The issue people were coming in contact with when their breakoffs were were at, at this point right here. What if when they set the hook? Oops. I'm going to try when they set the hook and the line goes up, like against the nose of the weight, oh, it cut it. It would cut it. Well, now they're, they're smooth and they're rounded. So, and then don't forget too. back in the day, we used to peg the weight with a toothpick. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we're using the, the bobber stoppers, the rubber so you have bobber no stoppers. crimping of the line whatsoever. Right. So you've got, you've got flexibility there. So you're not you're not pinching that line against basically a metal edge with a toothpick. And so so that's why the inserts are not as important today because our technology got better and the bobber stoppers helped eliminate a lot of problems because when you push that toothpick in the bait, you smush that line and you know you know how fluorocarbon is. Doesn't one, like that. One bad kink could ruin a day, or make your day, depending on. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us back to the cat house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, all right, anything else, Frank? No, I I hope. I hope that was that, good. That was really good. That was an hour and five minutes. And uh, I mean, we got into it at the, like the 15 minute mark. So that was a solid 50 minutes. Yeah. I, I hope that answers a lot of questions. Like I said, choose your hooks you like. Um, I, I don't have an issue, so I'm not changing nothing. I don't care what anybody else says. Um, until I have an issue with losing fish, 
um, I stick with what's working. It's just no different than the knot you tie. If a polymer knot works for you, then you better be tying that polymer knot. I like it. You want to do a Q&A show next week? Yeah. Yeah, let's do let's do a Q&A show because I have I have a whole bunch of uh, new colors to show you guys. And so we'll we'll show the colors and then we'll do some questions and answers. All right, if you're listening to this, I know there's a chance you might not get to listen to the show live. You still want to answer a question to Uncle Frank. Uh email me matt at basszone.com. Uh, with your question for next week's show, which will run on uh, January 18th. 18th. And then Frank has a little surprise for everybody. Yeah, I can't wait. It'll be good. We got both of the... Uh, did we get both of the Halloween guys out? Because the other one contact. No, I'm missing... Okay. I'm missing... He, he messaged me, and I thought I forwarded it to you. No, send Maybe it to not. me again. I have the box packed and ready to go. Okay, we'll do. All right. All right. Uh, that was good stuff. Basic, but in-depth. <laughs> There's nothing basic about fishing. <laughs> That's how I like my women. Basic, but with some depth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we've come full circle. We started that out. Makes with- it, that makes a quality soulmate. <laughs> Yes, we started out with the cat house, and now we've come full circle. Listen, I'm intrigued on that. I would go spend I'd go spend a half an hour in the cat cafe. Yeah. I did a little research on them. They're all over the country. There's all sorts of benefits to it. Okay. You know, health. I, I, so personally, I would more likely spend it in a, like a doggy brunch. But, <laughs> I'd be but a I'm doggy not going to turn down a doggy, di- a doggy diner. The doggy diner. But I'm not going to turn down a cat cafe. There you go. <laughs> All right. This has been another edition of Day 4. With the man Frank Scalish next week. Same place, same time. Uh... <laughs> we'll Can't see wait. everybody then. Later. <laughs>